Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to have a great show. And um, our very special guest today is a wonderful um, certified health and wellness coach. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today, which is May 12th, 2016. We're going to have a great show for you. Our very special guest is Megan Lyons, and we're going to be talking about how to achieve health and happiness. She's the author of a brand new book called Start Here, Seven Easy Diet-Free Steps to Achieve Your Ultimate Health and Happiness. So let's bring Megan onto our show now. Hello, Megan. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hello. Thank you for having me. I always like to start my show out by asking my guest, how did you get on the path that you're on today? It is, it's really an interesting one. You know, I I bet you get some really interesting answers and and mine is typically non-traditional. I'll say that. I started, um, I studied economics in college. I did management consulting for seven years and got my MBA in there and was really driving down towards the the business path and thought that's where I would stay for the rest of my life. But through that time, I was noticing and learning how to not be healthy and, and learning how much the corporate environment really taxes our health and our happiness as well. And and I'm not anti-corporate. My husband still works in management consulting actually, and I think it's a great fit for some people. But for me, it was really depleting my health. And so I started just learning about my own health and my own nutrition, and that became a passion project of mine. So I did several little certification programs as I was still working in the business world and just started dreaming about one day opening my own business to help people uncover health information that I had uncovered for myself. And fast forward to January 2014, I ended up leaving the corporate world and starting the Lion's Share Wellness on the same day. And it's just been bliss ever since then. Oh, that's really, it's really can be exciting, especially when you have a passion for something that you yes. can bring to the world. 
and you can um, teach them. You know, uh, in your book, you talk about how as a society, obesity has nearly doubled since 1980. Do you want to speak about that a little bit? Sure. I, I could speak about that for the whole rest of the show, but I'll, sure. I'll spare your listeners. I think it's, um, it's something that's so sad, so prevalent, so frustrating to so many people, and it really is not our fault that we are having so many of these issues. I think I, I always like to inject some personal responsibility for our health, and, and I do believe we should feel empowered to take control of our health. But I think that so many um, societal pressures are really making it hard for us. You know, mm-hmm. we sit all day at work. We are fed with food, and I, I do air quotes there because it's not actually food. So much of our food supply is is processed and is chemicalized and refined. Um, and, you know, everything around us is, is sugar, is uh, something that's not truly nutritious for our body. So I think there are a lot of factors that go into it. But the fact is that, that we have a problem. And if we mm-hmm. don't start to take control of it, uh, I'm scared to see what's going to happen in the next 20 years. Mm. Yeah, it's it's definitely a problem, and it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though you it's even though you say it doesn't have to be, but you know you and talk about right. how it doesn't have to be. That's right. It it is complicated because there are so many. Um, different theories and so much conflicting information out on the market. So it's very easy to Google, let's say, is meat good for me or what's the best diet or something like that. And and you would get millions of different articles and everyone would have a slightly different opinion. So in that sense, Hmm. it's really complicated. And the other sense it's complicated is that everything – I believe, is unique for the individual. So if there were one perfect diet or health plan and it worked for every single person, well, I'm sure someone would have discovered it by now and we wouldn't have all the, um, all the many different diets and, and programs out on the marketplace. But it's not that simple. It is. You have to find what works individually for your body. So in those aspects, it's complicated, but it's also simple. I, you'll see, in, or you have seen in my book, that my approach is really back to the basics. I believe so strongly in these seven principles that I outline, and they're simple things. They're things that we've heard over and over and over again. For example, eat your vegetables. Well, people roll their eyes when, when I say that at the first, but what does that mean? And are we really eating enough vegetables? I find very few people who are getting enough uh, plant nutrition into their regular diet. So it can be simple when we talk about just going back to the basics and not overcomplicating things. What are, What is your thought about powdered? Um, there's a lot of powdered vegetables out, you know, like mega greens, mm. et cetera. What are your yeah. thoughts on that versus um, 
the actual vegetable consumption if you don't have the time to prepare them. Right. Um, I, I would give this a it depends, which is pretty much my answer to a lot of things. Here's why it depends. Okay. One, I think there are several products on the marketplace that unfortunately um, have been heat processed such that the nutrients are damaged or um, that unfortunately have artificial ingredients in them like artificial sweeteners or other kinds of preservatives. And in those cases, I would say not so much. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, there are also some good products out there that do have true plant-based nutrition, actual vegetables just dehydrated and compressed down into powders, maybe with a little bit of stevia or natural flavor, something like that. And in those cases, I would say that it's a whole lot better than nothing, right? So I still Mm -hmm. would prefer that you eat your actual vegetables, whether that means a soup or a stew or um, a smoothie or raw vegetables or a salad or whatever it is. We can talk about several different ways to make that easier to fit into a busy lifestyle. I would still prefer that you do that. But if you're not going to do that, for example, when I'm traveling and on an airplane, um, I'll often take some powdered greens, and I think that's a whole lot better than nothing. And it makes you feel pretty good, too. Now, when you when you talk about heat processed greens, how would somebody know by looking at a label? Yeah, unfortunately, for that aspect, you won't be able to tell by the label unless they specifically call it out that it was not processed in such a way that the nutrients were destroyed. And some some labels will say that, like touting it as a mark marketing benefit, uh, but most actually don't. So you would need to just research the company um, or get a recommendation from someone who has checked out different companies. Okay. Now, when we talk about reducing our sugar intake, sugar isn't everything. It's so difficult Mm -hmm. to find products that do not have sugar in them or even when you're eating out Right. Um, I I know I've experienced times where I went completely went off sugar and then I'll have a meal out and I can literally taste the sugar. I'm mm-hmm. I'm like I'm oversensitive and I can taste the sugar in a sauce <laughs> or in a mm-hmm. pancake. I mean, it's isn't that interesting? Oh, it's so amazing to me. I um I know how well I am doing personally at avoiding added sugar because when I taste something like an apple, if I'm avoiding added sugar um, more more diligently, then mm-hmm. an apple will taste truly sweet like a dessert. And if mm-hmm. I'm not, if I'm in a stage in my life where I'm having more sugar and um, slipping up a little bit against my goals, then fruit just tastes like fruit, kind of moving on, right? Nothing special. So you can really tell by your taste buds. They do change dramatically. That sauce example is so interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, you're a true human because you're actually <laughs> actually admitting that you kind of fall off the wagon now and then. 
when it comes oh to sh- sugar yeah. sugar intake. It's a very difficult thing to to get off of. It's extremely addictive. Oh, and stay really off it. It really is. I'm uh, I definitely am a true human. It's something I believe <laughs> in very strongly. Um, sharing that with my clients because it's easy for health experts to be in social media pretending that they're all perfect and and maybe some people are who am I to doubt them but I think the reality is that everyone struggles and that's okay and for some people it's you know oh I just have to have my fried chicken or for some people it's I have to have my pasta for me my struggle almost always revolves around sugar um, especially at night, and that's something that I constantly work on, and, and I think that's okay to admit it. Like you mm-hmm. said, it's very addictive, and I learn strategies all the time with myself that I can then share with my clients on how to teach your body to not be so dependent on sugar. Yeah, uh, coconut oil a lot of times yeah. will help will help with the the glucose ups and downs. Mm, that's that's great. I think any kind of good quality healthy fat is really good at helping us stabilize our blood sugar. Uh, I will give coconut and uh, coconut oil an extra try. Thank you. Oh sure, I put it in smoothies. I cook with it. Mm, yes, yes, it's good for um, helping to regulate the thyroid as well. Mm. I'm I'm not and a doctor, so I can't. Yeah, I'm not a doctor, so I can't, you know, prescribe it. But right. I know for me personally, it works very well. And, it, and you know, the the sugar, I mean, even in your book, you talk about how addictive it is. It's almost as addictive as cocaine. <laughs> That's right. There was a really interesting study, um, and without boring your listeners with getting too scientific, the the point was, that they took rats and they addicted the rats to uh, cocaine. Part of, part of one group of the rats, they got addicted to cocaine. And even when the rats were addicted to cocaine, they still, given the choice between an Oreo and cocaine, they still chose the sugar. They chose the oh, Oreo. Oh, my goodness. It's amazing. So they use that to show that the addictive properties are sugar of sugar are even stronger than that of cocaine. Huh. Interesting. Really interesting. So in your seven steps, um, we've already discussed sugar and we've discussed vegetables. What's the next one? Well, one of my favorites is water uh, because... Again, just like vegetables, everyone knows that they should, should I use in quotes because I don't really uh, love that word, but I I just said it, so I'll use it. Um, (laughs) They should be drinking more water, but a lot of people just truly are not. And they, I hear over and over from my clients, oh, yeah, okay, drink more water, but what's your next tip? And I'll say, well, are you doing it? And they'll say, ah, oh, no, but, you know, I don't really need to. I'm not thirsty. I don't need to drink water. And yeah. it's very difficult for me to convince them at first of the power of drinking more water. But then once they start actually hydrating their bodies, 
They feel so much different. It's amazing. Well, and again, the sugar content in most drinks is extremely high. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It really is. I have um, in the book, I have my top 15 sources of, of hidden added sugar. And a lot of these are things like sauces or ketchups or things like that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But juices are one of them. Juices and coffee drinks as well. I see. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, there's a, a drink at Starbucks, the peppermint white chocolate mocha, which I have to admit that I believe I have had a white chocolate mocha long before I started my health journey. Um, but it has 108 grams of sugar. There's a Dunkin' Donuts drink that has 141 grams of sugar, which is 35 teaspoons. That's a crazy oh. amount of sugar. I can't even imagine I, what you feel like an hour from that, from that time that it was consumed. I, oh, I know. Probably and have I, to I have, have a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or a nap. Something. Because you're crashing and burning. That's so right. I, I have these bags, little Ziploc baggies of granulated sugar in my office and Oh, whatever the um, equivalent is, so maybe it's 20 teaspoons for something that the client is eating or whatever, I'll plop it on the desk and I'll say, would you swallow this? And no one has said yes, right? Everyone says, oh, my goodness, no. And then I show them, well, that's what you're getting in your drink. It's just really hard for us to envision that so much sugar Mm -hmm. is in all of these drinks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, water is my primary drink. I'll have some mm. orange juice now and then, but that's it. I don't consume coffee or soft drinks or anything. I'll make smoothies, but I'll use coconut water in the smoothie. Yeah. That's fantastic. I think mm-hmm. you're you're one of the few who is actually drinking water, um, and I bet you feel a whole lot better for doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of interesting because I believe our bodies are comprised – what it, I forget what the percentage is of how much water is it's in about our body. 70. 70, yeah, 75%, I think. Yeah. yeah. I knew it was it was an interesting statistic because the earth is covered by about the same amount of water. Oh, wow. Wise. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. That's great. Let's talk about eating out at restaurants. I mean, it's one thing to to control your diet at home. But I suspect that the majority of people these days, they eat out quite often mm-hmm. with the hectic They're grabbing something from somewhere. So what are your tips on that? Yeah. So I am, first of all, a realist. I understand that people are eating out all the time and, I am not someone who says you can never eat out if you want to be healthy or anything like that. I do think there's benefit to try to cook some meals at home because, in general, we are much healthier when we're eating at home. Um, And several studies will show the portion sizes are much bigger, the calories are higher, the additives are higher, things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But, like I said, I'm a realist. 
So we all have to go to rest or choose to go to restaurants and enjoy it every once in a while. One of my favorite tips for restaurants is what I call the BDD rule. And this is, these are the things that really add up in restaurants that we wouldn't have at home. So I don't know about you, but when I cook at home, I usually don't have a bread basket and a fried appetizer and a pasta <laughs> and a entree and a wine and a dessert and all this kind of stuff. But at, at restaurants, that's normal. So BDD stands for bread drink and dessert and on a normal night yeah so on a normal night I choose one of those that I would like to enjoy maybe I choose zero uh, depending Mm -hmm. on what the restaurant is and then Mm -hmm. if it's a special occasion I'll choose two and if it's a really special occasion maybe like an anniversary or birthday or something like that then maybe if I want to I'll choose all three And this, for me, frames it um, so that I get the choice, so that I'm not saying, oh, I can't have two of these things, but I get to choose one. But it also just helps me be more conscious. There are so Mm -hmm. many times when a bread basket is there, and we don't really want the bread basket, but we're just mindlessly eating it, and that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff really adds up. So if Mm -hmm. I want to choose the bread, then I'll say, okay, tonight I'm going to choose the B. But if I don't, if I want a glass of wine or uh, some dessert or something like that, then I'll take a pass on the bread basket or the pasta or whatever else. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a really good good rule. Bread converts, it's a carbohydrate, and it converts into sugar into into your body, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's uh, So I don't think that all carbohydrates are bad. My favorite things no. of carbohydrates are vegetables and fruits. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a, bread is a refined carbohydrate. And in general, refined carbohydrates, um, the way that they have to process the wheat and the grains just makes it hit your blood sugar or hit your bloodstream very quickly. Just like you said, it converts into sugar very quickly in Mm -hmm. our body. Mm -hmm. And that's not a good thing. Um, It just, it makes our insulin spike. It gives us that sugar rush for a second. And then unfortunately makes us crave more of that. So that's why when you have one slice of bread and it's warm and it's tasty you kind of want to go back for seconds and thirds, and then by the time your meal gets there, you're no longer hungry, right? <laughs> oh, it does taste great, though. <laughs> it really does. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. Summer's coming up, and a lot of people are going to be traveling. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm included in that. Oh, you have you some really, um, all the way up to Canada. Wonderful. But the thing is, is while you're traveling, you you need to be eating out. So I think that your BDD is a really a really good um, thing to know. But do you have any other helpful tips? Yeah, absolutely. I like to think of travel um, and consider how frequently you're doing it. So. For example, I I mentioned that I used to be a management consultant and I traveled 48 weeks of the year, Monday through Thursday. And so in that case, I needed to be a little bit more 
normal with my health habits, meaning that I would not be um, so indulgent or have the attitude of, oh, it's travel, I just enjoy. But if you're going on vacation, you know, a week, a year, two weeks, a year, three weeks, a year, I really think you should let loose a little bit and enjoy the vacation and not stress yourself out so much about being perfectly healthy because you're there for a vacation. You're there for mental refreshment as well. So I always tell my clients not to beat themselves up on vacation. But there are some things uh, that I would recommend doing that are just kind of non-negotiable that will make you feel so much better, even if you are indulging a little bit more than you would at home. Um, And one of those we already talked about, which is water. Mm -hmm. We really forget to drink water when we're traveling. And planes are so dehydrating. Mm -hmm. And then we're, you know, sightseeing or walking around or just out of our element and we don't have our bottle of water there. Um, And and pretty soon the day is gone and we haven't had any water Mm. to drink. So I really recommend um, carrying a bottle of water, an empty bottle of water for security and then filling it up, doing whatever you can to stay hydrated, even on vacation. And then the other one, um, I would really recommend fitting in some form of exercise when you're traveling. A lot of people say, oh, it's vacation, I need a break from that. And I don't mean you have to go to the gym and bang out 30 minutes on the elliptical when you're at the beach. But wherever you are, there's something you can do that's active. So if you are Mm -hmm. at the beach, why don't you walk Mm -hmm. on the beach? Or if you're sightseeing, (laughs) why don't you walk instead of taking a taxi? Uh Just do something to get moving because you'll feel a whole lot better when you're traveling. Well, you know, we've so far we've covered the the eating aspects, um, and obviously for for health reasons. But really, your book is also an inspirational piece, and a lot of it has to do with um, having gratitude in your life, self forgiveness. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I was first introduced to the concept of a daily practice of gratitude probably four or so years ago. And at that point, if you had asked me, I would have said, yeah, I'm a grateful person. Like I'm happy that, you know, I have a good family and I'm happy that I'm healthy and things like that. And I appreciate all of this. But I didn't really understand what gratitude meant and the benefits of really feeling gratitude every single day. And I think those benefits are huge. So I do a daily gratitude journal, which is really simple. I just write three things that I'm feeling grateful for at the moment. So sometimes they're simple. It might be, oh, I'm really grateful that I got a good night's sleep last night. Or I'm grateful that, you know, I... Uh, have this healthy breakfast in front of me that I'm eating right now. And sometimes it might be something more deep. I'm grateful um, that my husband and I have such a great relationship and we understand each other well. Or I'm, I'm grateful for my health or something like that. But the important thing is to really feel gratitude. 
and the science, it's not just my experience, but actual science will show the amazing health benefits of doing this. Things like um, stress reduction, depression reduction, just um, better overall health, even disease reduction as well. So I highly recommend that people start a gratitude practice. Um, And I do recommend writing it down, but if you're not ready for that, just try to feel every Mm -hmm. day. Take a moment to feel grateful. There's always something to feel grateful for. Do you practice any type of meditation at all? I do. I do. I, um, I, let's see how long ago it was. Probably about two years ago now, I started trying to meditate. And I am naturally a, a type A, go, go, go person. Mind is always racing, always moving on to the next thing. And I found it really frustrating to meditate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the reason I found it frustrating was because I had this expectation that to do meditation right, you had to just sit down and then all of a sudden your mind was blank and you sat there for 10 <laughs> minutes and you had zero thoughts. Oh, that's funny. And I thought, yeah, it was. It, I thought, I'm never going to get here. It, that's just not going to happen for me. <laughs> so, I've had the same yeah. experience, the exact same experience. Really? Yes. Now that I talk about it. It just won't be quiet. And your whole body just feels very tense, you know, and you're you're just not very relaxed because you have so many other things that you need to do. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And then you get stressed out about, oh, my gosh, I'm not meditating, right? And that adds a whole (laughs) other layer of thought and stress into your practice. So (laughs) suffice it to say that the first couple months, first couple weeks probably I was really frustrated. Mm -hmm. And I talked to a friend who um, actually does meditation for corporations. And she helped me understand that meditation doesn't mean you just sit down and all of a sudden you have zero thoughts. It really means non-judgmentally recognizing your thoughts. And that rephrasing for me made a huge difference. So I can sit there and I'm thinking about, ooh, my stomach is grumbling. Okay, well, I noticed my stomach is grumbling. And then I might think about, oh, I have a meeting at 10 a.m. and I'm nervous. And all I do is say, okay, I'm feeling anxious about the meeting. And I let that thought go. And to me, that pressure of I have to have zero thoughts was just kind of released. And now meditation is a huge part oh, of my day. Yes. That is I, really wonderful advice. Listeners, I hope, yes. you, caught, I hope you caught that. <laughs> yes, I hope you did too because it really makes a difference. I feel so much more balanced, so much more able to kind of take the ups and downs that everyone has in life and mm-hmm. and just deal with them and, and not really ride the emotional roller coaster. So sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 20 minutes, but I definitely incorporate it every single morning. Yeah, I, I guess when it comes to meditation and we're not experienced with it, your belief system is that 
everything will be quiet in your mm-hmm. brain. Everything will just come to a screeching halt. It'll be quiet. And then you're going to have an epiphany. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. you know, you're going to have this sudden vision. But that's really not not how it works. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Very, yeah. Sometimes I will have a meditation that really feels good. And I I stop, the meditation ends, and I feel, wow, I was really, my mind was really calm. Or I did come to some realization. But the vast majority of the time, it's just like, hmm, that was nice. I feel better able to conquer my day. But nothing miraculous happens. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm floating on a cloud or anything like that. It's just <laughs> a very nice, calm way to start my day. Well, I think that that was really wonderful advice. Really wonderful. That's what I love about doing these interviews because I always learn something that's just so important. Mm, you know, wonderful. Every every guest gives gives something new to my life and I know to our listeners as well. I love that. That's incredible. Let's talk about exercise. Yes. Any particular, um, well, I guess really when you meet with your clients, mm-hmm. exercise comes up. And so you really yes. have to t- tailor it to how much time they have available on a daily mm-hmm. basis or a weekly basis. And then yes. what are the things that you like to do? Some people can sit on a life cycle and they're very happy doing that. Uh, others like to run. Others like to go to the gym and work out with weights or bicycling. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. What if you, is there any trend that you see with your clients? Or is everybody just um, really different? I think there are lots of trends. And most of the time, the trendy things. Uh, they come and go, and everyone tries to fit into the trends. Like right now, I think the the next trend is going to be classes that combine rowing machines and either treadmills or something on the floor. That's, those are popping up all over the place. But sometimes yoga is trendy or mm-hmm. um, high intensity or CrossFit or whatever. So there will always be trends. But I think you hit the nail on the head by saying that you have to find what you love. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. even if it is trendy, you're not going to stick with it over the long term. And it's not your fault. It's just that it's really hard to convince yourself to do something every day that you hate. (laughs) (laughs) So so I always ask my clients what they like to do when they were. Did they love playing soccer or did they love dancing or did they love sitting and reading a book? It doesn't have to be something moving, but just think about what they really loved. And then I try to tailor their exercise to that response. So if they loved dancing, then they might love a Zumba class. Or if Mm -hmm. they really like being alone, then they might be a good candidate to be a runner or be a walker Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. We have to find something that that makes Mm -hmm. that individual feel relaxed and happy 
and that it's something that they can commit to doing regularly. How how do you combine the exercise routines with the nutrition so that the client benefits, you know, they get maximum benefits from both? How do you do that? Yeah. Well, it's a it's an art, I think, as well as a science. And again, it depends on the person. So I'll take me as an example. I am one of those weirdos that actually does love running. Um, and I okay. wasn't always like that. I actually hated running when I started. And um, my husband now, boyfriend at the time, was a runner on our college team. And so I, I tried to be a runner just to be like him, which is kind of <laughs> funny looking back on it. Um, yeah, but through that, I, I did end up loving running. And, and because I do run regularly, I my body requires a different amount of nutrition and different um, types of nutrition than someone mm-hmm. who is doing yoga once a week, which is really also valid and wonderful. It's just that we, we have different nutritional requirements. So oh, that's such a I think, point. yeah, yeah, and it's hard for a lot of people to get that. Everyone always wants one diet plan that they can just find that will apply to everyone, and it, it doesn't work that way. It really depends mm-hmm. on how much mm-hmm. you're moving, how old you mm-hmm. are, what your body um, prefers, what you've done in the past, all these kind of things. You're your body is, is very different um, from anyone else's. So I think your question about combining nutrition and exercise, it's a little bit um, hard to give a generalization. I will say that people can adjust their nutrition based on what their goals are for exercise. So if someone is trying to um, – have enough energy to run a marathon, then they will want to have more of the carbohydrates. And like I said before, I suggest that those would be uh, primarily vegetables and fruits. So they might have more sweet potatoes than the next person. And if someone's really trying to build muscle, if they want to be um, a lot stronger and, and bigger, then they might emphasize protein more. If someone's working on healing their uh, their gut or their body or, or any kind of chronic condition, they may want to focus more on getting in healthy fats. Mm-hmm. So all of mm-hmm. these things go into the recommendations, but you kind of have to assess your own goals. Yes, and, and I think that it's... Um quite prudent to hire somebody to help with that, setting up that whole program. Very difficult to figure it all out on your own. It can become overwhelming, (laughs) especially when you start breaking it down on a day-to-day basis. I think that's so right. It's amazing to me how we all have blinders on our own situation and having some outside Uh, insight into what we're doing and and what our body needs can be really helpful. I resisted for a long time having any coaches of my own because I thought, oh, well, I am a coach. I don't, I don't need that. Right. I've got Mm -hmm. it all down. 
Mm-hmm. And then once I did end up hiring several coaches, the impact of my life has been just amazing. I, I really mm-hmm. think having someone there to keep you accountable and to give you an outside exactly. perspective is amazing. We all need that. We all need yeah. to check in with someone on how we're doing. Yes. It's really, really helpful. Listeners, if you've just joined in, we're talking with Megan Lyons. She is the author of a new book called Start Here, Seven Easy Diet-Free Steps to Achieve Your Ultimate Health and Happiness. What do you mean when you talk in your book about seeking accountability? Is that along the lines of pretty much what we've been talking about? Yeah, that's exactly right. We, I just mentioned the need for accountability in the form of a coach or um, a nutritionist or something like that who you're working with. But I mm-hmm. think any type of goal that you have, accountability is absolutely critical. And that means different things for different people. It might mean that you have a workout buddy that you meet every single morning and you just walk around the block together. It might mean that you use an online forum and you post your uh, healthy meals there. It might mean that you are actually working with a coach. It can mean very different things for different people, but some form of accountability I really believe is critical for success. It not only um, makes you achieve what you want to achieve, even when it feels painful or hard or uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the rewards can be so much better, too. If you feel like someone's along on the journey with you, you can celebrate together. That's very true. It really is. You know, um, a thought just came to mind about changing one's diet. I remember I went to a nutritionist and she set up a plan for me, but it it, it just seems so overwhelming because mm. when you have to play takeaway, yes. you end up wondering, what do I get to eat? Mm-hmm. And so dramatically changing one's diet isn't something that I personally advocate something that needs to be done um, slowly. That's just my personal opinion. Oh, I could not agree with you more. Do you? I really do. I think your experience is so common. People want, even they, they proactively ask me, let's make some dramatic changes. Let's have a full plan. Let's go. And it sounds all great for about a day. And then you just realize you're hit by this overwhelming feeling of, oh, my goodness, everything that is comfortable for me is now gone. Mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. I think, is, is not sustainable and not even healthy because mentally it's stressing you out so much. I really encourage people to just take one small step at a time. So that might mean drink one glass of water every day for the next week. That's it. And then once that feels comfortable, then maybe you add a vegetable into your lunch 
And then once that feels comfortable, maybe you trade from a yogurt that you notice has a lot of sugar in it for breakfast to an egg or to some fruit or something like that. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. go very gradually because it, it really is a lifestyle. I don't believe in fad diets, crash diets, crazy approaches like that. I believe in making changes that you can stick with for your life. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Do things gradually. You have to do that with yeah. exercise. If you if you haven't been exercising and you first start out, well, you're not going to be running a marathon. You have to go very I slowly. I hope not. <laughs> yeah. Are Absolutely. you running marathons? Oh, <laughs> um, I I think I've I think I've retired from marathons. I'm not sure. I've done five marathons and. Over 40 half marathons. I mean, I love the half marathons, but not so much the marathons. I think that um, there are tremendous um, kind of have, they can have negative effects on your body. Absolutely. Yeah. Some people are really well. Yes. Some people are well suited for them. They Um, are. And and I've just realized that there's something about that distance that my body just doesn't like, and I can force mm-hmm. it to do that, uh, mm-hmm. but it's, I don't think it's healthy for me in the long term. Um, and the half marathon distance for me does feel really comfortable, and, and my body recovers well from that. Now, some oh, people, that's good. they might, yeah, some people might say, one mile is a great distance for them, and they feel fantastic after a mile, and that's fine. And some people might say, one step of running is way too much for me. And I say, that's fine also. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> is that, there's that saying, different strokes for different folks. <laughs> Absolutely. That's really what it comes down to. Well, you've that been an so right. um, delightful guest. I know I've learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners have as well. Again, we're talking with Megan Lyons. She's author of the book, Start Here, Seven Easy Diet-Free Steps to Achieve Your Ultimate Health and Happiness. Is there anything else you'd like to add in closing today outside of letting the listeners know how you can be reached and where they can purchase your book? Sure. Well, I'll try to do all of that. Um, you can get my book at starthere2016.com, okay. and my website is thelionshare.org. So it's T-H-E-L-Y-O-N-S, another S-H-A-R-E.org, and that will connect you to my email, my social media, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, and I would be happy to answer any of the listeners' questions. And then what I would like to leave them with My big word for the year is hope. I feel like so many of us have taken the hope out of our health or have gotten the hope robbed from our health and just are in this place where we feel hopeless, where we feel like it's just not going to happen for us or it's too hard or we're destined to be overweight or low energy or whatever it is. Uh, And I would just love to tell your listeners that there is hope. Absolutely, no matter what your situation is, you deserve health and happiness. 
and you have the power to get that health and happiness for yourself. So mm-hmm. please, if you've heard anything from this uh, interview, please just hear that there is hope for you uh, and, and that you deserve it. Thank you, Megan Lyons. Hope to talk Thank to you, you again. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, you as well. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, listeners, that wraps up our show for today. Please tune again next Thursday. We'll have another great show for you, another great learning experience. Take care. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What?